Hey, what's up everybody? It's Matt. We're back at Serato's Unscripted. And today we're doing it from downtown Los Angeles. Um, it's a pretty special edition. We got a legendary uh, producer, Grammy Award winning producer, one of my favorite producers, a freaking goat, really. <laughs> we got DJ Khalil here with us. Uh, DJ Khalil, Thank you, man. welcome. Man, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm man. glad to be here. Watch the you know, I've watched this before, and it's dope to be on here. Oh, you have? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is your Grammy Award winning. Um, oh, yeah. Con congratulations on Thank the Kendrick, you. man. Thank you, man. It's, uh, it's incredible. I mean, you know, another, like, best rap album. You know, when, like, this is, like, my third one, two times with Eminem, now with Kendrick. And, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I had a song on Good Kid, Mad City that was, like, on the like Target version, like the deluxe Target version. It wasn't on the official, you know what I mean? So to be linked with Kendrick again is incredible. And like, you know, I just know him through working with Dre and working on Detox. Like we have some records together that we did. So, you know, I built a relationship over the years. So, you know, congrats to Kendrick, you know, just an incredible body of work, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Literally, so I'm, I'm just proud to be a part of it. And shout out to Soundwave too. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, who I did the, the track with and Jay Pounds, yeah. Man, I gotta say though, like Purple Hearts is literally my favorite song on that <laughs> album, and it's so crazy because you got Ghostface on there and you got Dude. Summer Walker on there too. Crazy, and like everybody is just like at ten, you know? Yeah, like, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's just funny because, like, over the pandemic, I learned I learned like this match for I learned this like chord generator, and I used that to make the sample for the record, you know what I mean? So I literally taught myself something over the pandemic that actually like paid off, you know what I mean? Wow. Which was pretty insane. Cause I was like, you know, I always have musicians and I can play a little bit, you know what I mean? But like to have, to learn this software and then I, you know, made these start making samples on my own. That was like the first one that was like, yo, I got this one off, you know what I mean? <laughs> on a major album. So it was, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, and, and tell me, like, did you, when you made the beat, like, like how, how did you get that to Kendrick, if you don't mind me asking? Through Soundwave. I mean, I, I, when I was, it's funny, because during the pandemic, we were all on our phones, all on Instagram, you know what I mean? And I was posting, because I was learning this, this software in Ableton, like, it should, you know, it was, it was, like, I was just posting it. You know what I mean? I was, I would post, like, some of the things I was doing, and, like, everybody from, like, no idea, they're like, what are you doing? Like, I use, you know... We all use the same thing. What are you using? And so, you know, I would have these conversations, these DMs. So, like, Soundwave hit me up. And he was like, yo, like, this is incredible. Like, do you have more? And I was like, oh, I, have I was making, like, folders. So I just started sending him stuff. And then, you know, I got a, a, he hit me up. And he was like, yo, I need the files for this one, which was, it was, I think the file was called Isley's. It was supposed to be, like, an Isley Brothers. You know, that's what it reminded me of at first. And then, so I sent it to him. And then didn't hear anything for a minute. And then, like... He hit me back. He was like, yo, you know, I think, you know, Kendrick's going to jump on this. Oh, wow. And he was like, you know, and, and if you hear the sample, like even the drums, the whole groove is like, you know what I mean? They just kind of, they really beefed it up and added their, you know, flavor to it. But, you know what I mean? The full composition is like literally, you know, what I did literally on my laptop. Just wow. like, you know what I mean? With my kids jumping around <laughs> behind me. So, you know, it was, it, it's, you know. Shout out to Soundwave, you know what I mean? He was obviously like Kendrick's right hand, you know, yeah. he, you know, he for playing it for him and, you know, it really just hit me back and, you know, just to be a part of it. So it was really through Soundwave, like how it happened. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, what's crazy too is like, yeah, like I said, Ghostface and Summer Walker, incredible artists. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a huge person. Personally, Ghostface is like my favorite yeah. Wu Tang member. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is so crazy. Um, and and hearing him on your track, man, like, are you a fan? Like, are you a fan of both those artists? I too? mean, of course. I mean, you know, Summer Walker is one of the biggest artists in the world. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the the whole Love Renaissance movement. Like, we we've known them for like a long time. You know, my camp. So you know for her to be a part of it and her be, being as big as she is and then obviously Ghostface being a legendary he's one of my favorites from from Wu you know him and Ray are like my favorite you know what I yeah. mean so Cuban links yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you know what I mean so um you know so when when I when I even saw you know when they told me that who was on the record before it came out I was just I couldn't you know I was like what and I you know I hadn't heard it fully yet you know what I mean so um you know, I kind of heard it like literally when everybody else heard oh, it wow. full, in, in its full, you know, in the as, in terms of like the full song. You know what I mean? So because it was so hush hush, like, you know what I mean? And, and you know, at the time, because I had a record on Kanye, I had Hurricane on Kanye's That's album. That's right. With, uh, who's on that? Uh, weekend on that? The Weekend, weekend. and um, Little Baby. Wow. And that that was, you know, and that was around the same time. So we were getting, you know, you're getting all these fake like text messages like, yo, this is Kanye. I need files for blah, blah, blah. This is, you know what I mean? Really? Like, and, yeah. And so, you know, when Kendrick's, when, you know, people are starting to see that Kendrick's about to drop, you know, I'm getting all these like fake emails and yo, you know what I mean? So Kendrick's manager finally called me, you know what I mean? I was like making sure like, is this really you? You know, is this really you, Anthony? <laughs> you know what I mean? And and he was like, no, this is, this is for real. This is for real. So I was like, okay, cool. But you know, it was, it was crazy, man. People were really like trying to get unreleased music and file. It was insane. Yeah. I feel like that. It was like spam city, a peak pandemic. Everything yeah. was like trying <laughs> to get some of it. The right? wild west. Yeah. Literally. That's crazy. Now, it's cool to hear like you talking about um, making your own samples, and that's something that I'd really love to talk about because just before we, we went live, we were just talking about uh, the track you made with Chin and Jetty mm-hmm. called Kind of Like a Big Deal for, uh, for Clips, right? Yep, yep, Clips. And, um, and I remember, you know, that was the fir- I remember hearing about how you made that beat, and it was the first time I'd ever heard someone was not using any samples, yeah. but it sounded incredible like it yeah. sounded so so big and so so expansive um yeah. can you just talk a little bit about how you kind of got into that yeah um yeah i mean really you know it was literally like trial by fire like i you know when i when i worked with g unit on beg for mercy which was like a it sold like what three million copies you know i sampled a group from canada there was like a pro, pro group i can't remember the name of it. i think it was clot two or something like that and they took a hundred percent of my publishing damn you know what I mean? Because I literally just looped what they did. I mean, you know, it was cool what I did, but it was like straight up loop. And my manager at the time told me how much money I lost. You know what I mean? Like, how you know, it was like 150 grand or something crazy. You know what I mean? And that was a huge album beyond, you know? So I was like sick for like two weeks. And then I was just like, I was like, okay, I have to figure out how to get around this. You know what I mean? Because everything I was doing was sample heavy. Mm-hmm. And... I just started teaching myself how to play and making my own sounds. I started buying old keyboards and I just started making, you know, and meeting new musicians, I just started making my own samples. And that kind of like started my whole journey of like, you know, I can actually do this, you know what I mean? And, and when I started placing records with my music, you know, or, you know, whoever I was working with, I was like, I can really do this. I can make a career out of it. You know what I mean? And, and it changed my life, literally. So now, you know, that's a big part of my process is, jam sessions, you know, um, 
bringing in different like every Wednesday I host a jam session. Oh really? Yeah, I host, and it's just like you know I have different musicians come through and we just make samples and everybody gets their writing in pub and all that. You know what I mean? So I'm very inclusive on that stuff, but it's just really about building a community and like building a, a catalog of music that maybe people will sample 20 years from now. You know what I mean? And I think that's what the culture's turned into is like everybody's making sample packs and mm -hmm. understanding that. But we were on that way before yeah. that happened. You know what I mean? So like with kind of like a big deal, you know, I work with Chen who's, he plays everything. He plays guitar, he plays bass. And we were listening to a lot of like the meters. That was kind of like the oh, inspiration. Yeah. I, yeah, wow, totally. So, you know what I mean? So it was like, we we're trying to find like dope riffs, like, you know, like what something the meters would come up with. And, you know, and Chin just start, he's incredible at coming up with that stuff. So we, he started playing stuff. I chopped it up, you know, at the time I was using Reason, so I was chopping up in the Rex, you know, Rex uh, loop player, whatever. And, you know, and just, you know, my drums, my drum game was on a thousand at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I was, um, yeah, I just put these loops, percussion loops, and it just, it just, just turned out the way it did. And then when, when Pusha T heard it, he was like, yo, this is crazy. You know what I mean? I didn't even think he would pick it. I just, I had no idea. I just, it was just some raw shit that I wanted to hear. You know what I mean? So, um, and then he came back and then he had Kanye on it. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, this is going to be the single. I'm like, you're going to make this the single? You know what I mean? And, and, um, and it just turned out the way it did. It's like one of people's favorite track. You know what I mean? So shout out to Chin. Shout out to Chin. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Shout out Chin and Jetty. Shout out yeah, the, the Vancouver homies. Yeah, so it's good. It's kind of funny that you say that too, because you're like, I got sued by this Canadian group, <laughs> yeah. and then they collab with this Canadian yeah. guy, and it's like it all worked out. So Canada's on your good books. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's crazy, man. Because um, I, I mean, that beat was just really revolutionary at the time, and yeah. uh, and I gotta, I gotta give it to Pusha, man. He really knows how to choose a good beat, and man. like. He's just incredible. To hear that. something that other people maybe don't, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. He was. I feel like he was looking for something new and fresh, and like, you know, we were just, you know, I, I feel like our whole crew, we were just, we we had, we we were just literally making samples and coming up with a whole new sound at the time. And he picked, you know, I did three three joints on that album. You wow. Know what I mean? So it was that one, and and there's two two other ones, and you know, that was a big you know another big break i feel like every step was just like another big you know what i mean thing but to work with the clips is like one of my favorite groups ever you right. know and push is one of my favorite mcs so um it's just you know it's incredible it's part of history yeah you've worked like pretty much with everybody it seems yeah. like oh, so many of my favorite rappers and like <laughs> artists have songs with you like you work with anderson pot too yeah. right yeah anderson yep yep and yeah i mean on malibu and like that's kind of my favorite yeah yeah like got in with him you know, I met him when, when Dre was working on Compton. That's when I met Anderson. And we did, when Compton was done and it dropped, we did a panel. And, you know, I was just talking to him. And, we, you know, everybody was about to go their separate ways. He's like, what are you about to do? I was like, I'm going to the studio. He's like, well, I'm coming. Let, let me come through. <laughs> wow. And we did, uh, that day, we did Heart Don't Stand a Chance. Like, literally, 20 minutes. It was a 20-minute jam session. He jumped. I, I pulled up my V-drums. I put the mic on there. Just how he would perform it. And I had the musicians and, you know, Dan Seif and, and Sam Barsh, and, and we literally jammed for 20 minutes, and he sang the whole thing down. Oh, my gosh. Done. 20 minutes, it was done. He came back, did the second verse, and then we just finished it. But he was like, and that's my mix, too. Like, he was like, no. Nah. Wow. I was like, are we going to get somebody to mix? He's like, no, nah, what's wrong with your mix? <laughs> so we kept his, you know, we kept my mix, and 
it was just like, you know, he's incredible. I mean, he's one of the greatest. I mean, he's like, he's to me, in terms of artistry, he's top five. Yeah? Yeah, Anderson's incredible. Incredible. It so, feels like he just oozes musicianship, right? He does. Like, where he's drumming, he's dancing, he's singing, rapping. Like, it's all incredible. It's, it's incredible. insane. It's, I mean, and it's just, he's such a music head. Like, I, you know, he schools me on music. Like, he's playing me stuff in the studio. I'm like, what is this? You know what I mean? Or I'll play him something. He's like, oh, he's like, I know what that is. You know, like, so he's, that dude is, his knowledge of music is, it goes really deep. And it's just like, things just happen when he's in the studio. I can't, I can't explain it. Every, it just starts coming together. I, I don't, you know, so he's, he's got like this, this way about creating that, you know, it's really inspiring. Like, I, f I feel like that's why everybody's just chasing him. Like, when are we getting back in? <laughs> you know, I saw him at the Grammys. I was like, dude, he's like, I know, I know. I'm like, you know, so. I see his DJ now too. Have you yeah, seen that? Yeah. yeah. I crazy. mean, it makes sense. That's what I'm saying. His, his knowledge and his, what he knows, different genres, that dude's a beast. Yeah. He's a beast. Now, speaking of DJing, um, shout out Mona Lisa. Uh, Mona Lisa hit me oh, up. Yeah. Legendary. She said to say, what's up, Doc? She said, like, what's make up, sure Mona you say Lisa? what's up, Doc? And then she was like, you know. Um, That's family. Right? And yeah. she was like saying, um, you got to ask Khalil about being a DJ because, you know, it's DJ Khalil. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me about your DJ background. Man, I mean, it started in like eighth grade. Um, I just remember borrowing. There's a, another kid in my, in my homeroom who had he had his own turntables and he got in trouble. So he was like, yo, you can borrow my turntables. <laughs> I borrowed them for like a few months, start DJing parties and like, I was kind of DJing before that, but just like with one turntable and a tape deck. And I just picked it up real fast and started doing parties, gave him his stuff back. And then my parents helped me buy my own equipment. And, um, and really it's just, my, my brother was the first one, my brother Jalal was the first one in our family to start DJing, you know what I mean? And he. You know, when he went away to college, he had a mixer and he had a turntable, and I used to just practice on that, and I would send him tapes. And um, and then finally, my parents got me two turntables, and I just it just took off from there. And then I just started DJing, I just you know just doing parties, weddings, and all that. And then I just started getting more high profile gigs. So I did like Benny Medina's birthday party, wow. you know, with Puffy. Puffy's in the booth with me, <laughs> handing me records. He's going through my crates. You know what I mean? I used to do Will Smith. I used to do all their kids' parties. You know, it would be like Eddie Murphy, the Wayans brothers walking around. Um, and I used to do like rush hour premiere parties, you know, and we hosted every New Year's, we would have this big party at my parents' house. So all the kids that were going away to college would come and we'd all hang out and it'd be like 500 kids, my kids at my, at my parents' house. So, and we used to, it would just be crazy. And so, you know, I, 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 it got to a point where I just started hating the music and I just really was, really into production and I just kind of left it alone um which I kind of regret because I you know because now DJing is such a and you can play whatever you want mm -hmm. I feel like you could play whatever you want now mm. it's not as before you had to like play a certain genre you know whatever I think everybody listens to everything now so but you know I'm slowly getting back in you know I'll just I'll do events here and there yeah, from what Mona Lisa said, it sounds like we're all missing out on these DJ Khalil sets, you know? <laughs> nah, it's coming back. It's coming back for sure. For That's sure. awesome. Yeah. Now, um, speaking of your, your parents, um, this is another thing that, that uh, Mona Lisa and I were talking about and something that I found out. Um, your, your father was, a, was an L.A. Laker. Yeah. A legendary L.A. Laker. Yep, yep. Um, Walt Hazard. Walt Hazard, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Anna Bruin, UCLA Bruin. He was college player of the year. It's 1964. They went 30-0. and 0. 
and you know um, won the championship that year, senior year, and then he got drafted by the Lakers. They had like territorial drafts back then. Oh, okay. So you he got drafted by the Lakers, and then um, I think from there he got traded to Seattle, and then then he became an All Star in '67, I think, with Seattle. Yeah. So I grew up, you know, around basketball my whole life. You know what I mean? Um, he retired the year I was born is when he retired. Oh wow! <clears throat> and um, it was the focus on raising a family. Yeah, yeah. and and you know he was, he's still attached to basketball. Like he he coached at Compton College and he coached at Chapman. Then he he ended up coaching at UCLA and he had Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller oh, was wow. one of his players. Yeah, so I know Reggie. We you know I used to. Um, go all the game we were the ball boys me and my brothers we would be the ball boys at the games and stuff like that so you know my dad was a heavy all his you know friends were musicians so oc smith you know oc smith married my 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 oldest brother and my sister-in-law oh wow yeah and like you know uh billy Eckstein um and his son ed Eckstein. they they used to come you know come over and that that was like one of my dad's best friends um my dad knew les mccann he wrote les mccann Actually, on oh, much man. less, he if you look at the liner notes on much less, my dad wrote those. No way. Yeah, he wrote the, the liner notes on that. The, um, yeah. Oh, man, less is, I mean, keyboard player, right? Keyboard yeah, player, yeah. It's insane. I have, like, Montreux, and I have the, uh, live at Montreux, I also have the Layers record. Layers, is, that's one of my favorite right? of all time, yeah. That right. album's incredible. That was, someone told me that album was created in three hours. No. Yeah, it was, like, literally... Supposedly it was just a jam. He called it, all these musicians in, and they just literally just went in and just played whatever came. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess they had it all like everything just worked it, out. Right? Yeah. yeah, I was like, you yeah. know, when you're on that level, it's like you know, it just comes to you. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, my dad, you know, was heavily involved in music, and you know, when when he first got his job at UCLA, like. Um, I think Mo Austin and all these record executives threw my dad like a party, like a roast or like a dinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's heavily tied into like the music side of things too. And Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby was a good friend of my dad's. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying, um, I think we were just chatting about earlier, I'm, I would watch that Bill Russell documentary on Netflix, which if you haven't checked out, definitely yeah. check it out. Um, and it was cool just to see like a lot of the history and and a lot of the things that have happened throughout that that time, it was kind of before our time, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, all all I know about basketball is really Jordan era, you know, yeah, Magic yeah. Johnson, and it's like obviously a lot different. But yeah, yeah. And you play basketball yourself? Yeah, right? I yeah. still play. I still play. I mean, that's like literally my exercise every day when I'm not creating or if I'm going through <clears throat> just not feeling creative. That's the that's the thing I turn to is basketball. Mm. I love it. I love it. It's like, it gives me, you know, I mean, even we, we talked about this earlier, you know, the principles of basketball I apply to music because I feel like, you know, I, I grew up as a point guard in high school and I feel like as a point guard, you know, you have a team and you have to get the best out of your teammates and it's not really about you. It's about everybody else. If you, if you want to win, you know what I mean? I think those principles I apply to what I do with musicians and writers and it's not really about me. It's about, you know, us making something great, you know what I mean? Or achieving something great. So, you know, my dad was a point guard and I feel like, you know, and, and he, he was coached by John Wooden and a lot of those principles and the pyramid of success. That's a big part of my upbringing, literally. So, you know, I really try to stay connected through basketball and music because it really it's like hand in hand for me it's like literally the same same thing 
Absolutely, and it's really lovely to hear you talk about um, like being a team player and you know, as a producer, you know, the role of a, of a, of a beat maker or a producer is, is such a supporting role a lot of the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it is kind of like in a little way, like you're stepping back and, and allowing a platform for an artist to shine. Yep. I, 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 don't, I don't know if people really see it that way all the time necessarily, but I think it's really, it's, it says a lot about you too, because when I first started coming to LA and I started, you know, working at Serato, I'd meet people and they'd always yeah. say, oh, you Khalil, he's the he's the god. You know, he's That's the crazy. he's the one that we all yeah. learn from, and um, and it's really cool, to, you know, to see it, to see you know, to see you get the, the flowers too. You know, your yeah. awards and all that are recognized because uh, you know, yeah, you're a very kind of low key behind yeah. the scenes kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just you know, that's just a part of my personality. But you know, I'm I'm very focused. Like you know, when I'm making music and trying to just make the best product. You know what I mean? I, I'm, you know, but. Uh, Dan Sifu, I've collaborated with like literally my whole career. He 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 laughs at me because he's like, he witnesses all the things that happen in the studio mm-hmm. that I don't pay attention to. You know what I mean? Because I'm so focused on like, what what's happening, you know, musically. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's like, I'm you know I love it, man. I love what I do, and I'm really, I know what I want to hear, and I know what I want to accomplish. So it's I was like laser sharp focused when it comes to just getting in the studio and getting the best product possible you know what i mean absolutely now i'd like to take a moment just to to, to rewind a little bit because mm-hmm. um a couple of people hit me up when they were like oh, are you going to be talking to khalil you got to talk about south scientific man and oh, like yeah. db was like you got this is my favorite record. <laughs> let me pull it up db was like you gotta you gotta tell him about this record it's my favorite record um self that's what he said he said degrees oh degrees yeah oh yeah he's like i found this vinyl in my stash from 97. yep so, That's funny. Yeah, tell me about science, self-scientific. It's you and Chase Infinite, right? Yeah, so Chase, Chase Infinite is like my best friend. Like, he's literally a brother, you know what I mean? He's like, um, and we met in eighth grade and at basketball camp, and he was one of the top point guards in our age group, and I was trying to get to that, that level, you know what I mean? So we competed against each other, and then we went to kind of like rival high schools. He went to Canoga Park. I went to North Hollywood. And he was rapping. I had just started making beats in 10th grade. So we would meet before, you know, because we were friends, we would meet before I'm like, yo, listen to this beat. And he was like, yo, I just wrote this rhyme. And that's how we kind of started. And then we, we had a friend named Frank who he had his own studio and we used to go over there and we cut our first demo. Ended up getting a demo deal with Loud. Um, we were on like a sampler. It's funny, Just Blaze always hounds me about this sampler. <laughs> but we were on there with like Mob Deep and Wu Tang, you know what I mean? Yeah, Cellar Dwellers. Records. Okay, I got you. And it was like a big deal for us, you know what I mean? And uh, we had never, we had never ended up getting signed, you know what I mean? But Chase's cousin, Bigger B, um, rest in peace, like he's the one that kind of like tried to put us on and, and you know, and he was, he was a big supporter. So, you know, we started our own company and then we put our first album out in 2001. And, um, and, you know, and me and Chase have just, you know, I mean, to this day, we, we're still working on self-scientific. It's like our baby. It's like literally like we can do whatever we want. We not, it's not affected by the industry, the fans. And this is literally for us. It's like therapeutic for us. You know what I mean? So we don't drop an album every year or whatever. It's really when we feel like doing it. But we have fans. You know what I mean? Our yeah. fans, Our fans are are you know always honest about like when are you dropping music so you know but but degrees the funny thing about degrees is that my best friend 
Rasudan, I have another best friend named Rasudan. He's the one that produced that. Oh, no way. Yeah, he's the one that produced that. Oh, I didn't shit. produce degrees. Um, I did Run the Depth, which is on side A. But Rasudan was like an incredible producer and a rapper. We were trying to put him in So Scientific. And, and he goes by Jay Tiger. So he ended up rhyming on our first album. But, he, you know, he just wasn't really focused at the time on, on, on you know, being an MC. But he was like... Andre 3000 at 15, you know, this dude was incredible. Um, and, you know, and that's just kind of like how it all came together. But, you know, those are like, that's like my foundation mm. is so scientific. Like even the musicianship and making samples and all that really kind of started then, honestly. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, I was sampling records, but then I was also replaying stuff and, you know what I mean, using more live instruments because I was super inspired by Dre and organized noise and you know what I mean and like outcast and Pete Rock CL smooth so it was like a blend of all those things it's really cool you say that too because yeah Dre really kind of he kind of was one of the pioneers of that and yeah organized noise too but mm -hmm. I, I mean Dre was really re-interpolating things right yeah the yep. organized noise were just kind of like making things yeah um, <clears throat> and and now you work with Dre I mean yeah, yeah. that's a story in itself right I mean yeah oh my god yeah. did he pick you up from the self-scientific stuff or help? no well, the funny thing is I met Dre when I was 13 at my he and my sister were really good friends and my parents threw her a birthday party and he came to my parents house and they just kind of took over the house Chris the glove was DJing <clears throat> um, and me and my brother Jalal talked to Dre for like 45 minutes he was just telling us like I was like yo I want to be a producer like you and so you you know and we you know, he's telling us his whole story fast forward to 2003 2004 um I end up working on this demo for this artist named Brooklyn and I did you know I did a bunch of beats he signed her and he wanted to keep all the beats so we you know he called all the producers in and he saw me he was like yo he remembered me Oh, wow. He remembered me and he was like, told the whole story about how I talked to him. All this is crazy. Like, how do you remember that? So maybe, you know, he loved all the beats that I did. So, you know, I just kept giving him more stuff. I was making like eight to 10 beats a day, literally. Cool. And then I just kept giving him stuff. And then I think, you know, maybe three, four months later, he was like, I want to sign you as a producer. And that's when I first heard about Detox. He was like, yo, I'm working on Detox. I'm like, what is that? He's like, that's my next chronic. And I was like, you want me to work on that? You know what I mean? So, yeah. and he's playing me beats. He's like, I'm going to put this on detox. And he's playing me my own beats. Like, yo, this is crazy. And he just saw something in me. And I was really unpolished, but he kind of, you know what I mean? He, he got it. He saw the vision and like, and how much I loved it. You know what I mean? And, and we, he's like, that's on my big brother to this day. I called him on his birthday. You know what I mean? I called, you know, we just Dre talked. Day. Dre day. Yeah. <laughs> they were 18th and and we just talk and he's just giving me, you know, after being signed over there, that's how I ended up working with Eminem and 50 and Game and, you know, everything, even Jay-Z. I mean, I, I owe so much to Dre. You yeah, know? you got to tell us that, tell everyone the story that you did, you told me before. Oh, yeah. You, about how you had the beat with that went to Jay. Yeah, so, yeah, I was just giving Dre beats and, like, I, I was at my peak at this point. Like, I was just giving him just, I, I was definitely giving him heat at that point. And so he picked this one beat. It was like a solo sample. He sends it to Jay-Z to write for Detox. Jay-Z calls him back and was like, yo, I did the song, but I'm keeping it from my album. He's like, <laughs> I, I got to have this beat, Dre. You can't, I need this for my album. He had already mastered it. He already mastered Kingdom Come. 
it was already done. And he, he stopped mastering to put this song on the album. And it was Mama I Made It. And so then Dre calls me, he's like, congratulations, you made Jay-Z's album. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, no, you're on Jay-Z's album. And I'm like, how did that happen? He, t he tells me the whole story. Then he's like, yo, I need the sample information because they're going to be calling me about it. I'm like, Dre, that's not a sample. He's like, wait, no. He's like, for real, dude, give me the sample. <laughs> he's like, I don't want you to get sued. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not. That's that's all. That's Those are all musicians. That's my boy Dante and his wife, Mashika. And he's like, oh, my God. He was like, dude, you, you, he's like, you killed that. He's like, I can't believe that. From that point on, I think Dre looked at me like a whole, completely different producer. You know what I mean? Because, like. No one was doing that. No one mm -hmm. was bringing in stuff that sound like a sample, but wasn't, you know what I mean? And, and it really sounded authentic. And, um, and it just became like a fan favorite on that album. A lot of people like that, that song. People say Mama I Made It all the time. I don't think they really know the song, but they say Mama I Made It, you know what I mean? So that, that, that became like a, I mean, that was a huge deal because game, Doctor's Advocate came out and Kingdom Come like within months of each other. Right, yeah, right. And I remember Doctor's Advocate. Yeah. yeah, and that was like huge. So I was on both of those albums, so that was like a huge step in my career. Yeah, that's incredible, man. It's crazy. Be praised by such a, a legend in the game too. You know, like yeah. Wow. No, it's, it's crazy, man. So yeah, shout out to Doctor Dre. That's 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 big brother. Absolutely. I think they were doing a, a Dre Day celebration actually. Mona Lisa, I think, is doing it this weekend. Oh, dope. And J Rock and Battle Cat. <laughs> We've got some Man. heavy hitters. Trace, Trace, he's the goat. That's <laughs> yeah. the real goat right there. So, um, what would you recommend? Like, you, you know, it was really cool to hear you talk about. You know, you didn't make samples. That was something you kind of got into a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of overcome the barriers that I think a lot of people may may feel like they can't do it. Yeah. But how did you kind of overcome that barrier of like, you know, I, I'm just sampling to then get to that next step? Say, I can actually, I'm going to spend the time and learn instruments and, and do that. I mean, I think it's just having the curiosity of getting better. I think, you know, once you understand the business and, you know, you can sample, you know, but you're going to hit roadblocks mm. with that. And I think because I've taught myself, you know, how to play, how to make my own sound, sound design and work with musicians, it put me in a whole new stratosphere of production that a lot of cats didn't get, they didn't break through that ceiling. Yeah. And I think like now at this point, I can I can produce for anything. Mm. I can produce for any genre because you could play me a record and I, can, I, I know exactly how to recreate all the sounds on that record. It doesn't matter what. And I've done it time and time again, but it's just practice. And I think, I think be, when you, and it's also the, the, the collaborating part of it because mm. people think you have to sit in a room by yourself mm. and make music. And that's not how music is made. Not great music, all the mm. stuff we love, whether it's Parliament or whether it's whatever it is, you know what I mean? It was created in a room full of people and musicians. And there was one producer, you know what I mean? And we talk about Quincy Jones and we talk about Michael Jackson, some of the greatest music that's ever, you know what I mean? Being created was done with people and in collaboration with each other. So you can't, you can get so far by yourself, but I think that when you bring all these different people in with their own perspectives, their own view, their own emotions, and they bring something special to what you do, your music goes through the roof. And that, and that's really literally what's happened for my career. Like I was cool sampling, and then I hit that roadblock. 
and it was like, am I going to break through? Or am I going to stay right here? And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Let me just try it. What do, what do I have to lose? And then when I when I first placed my first like something that I played, which was I'll Still Kill, 50 Cent, featuring Akon, that's all me playing. Oh, well. And when I when I did that, I was like, oh, I can do this. You know what I mean? And it's really like you just don't limit yourself. I think it's, you know, it's really just understanding that like there's so much more to learn you know what i mean i'm still learning you know I, I don't know everything you know but i love music and learning new things and understanding like how these chord progressions work and why you know are people you know and then you start learning like damn these songs are similar yeah dude. you know what i mean these structures are similar but they're just colored differently you know they're expressed differently so it's like you know it's one of those things that like once once that that light bulb goes off you know you're just like man what else what else can i find out you know what i'm saying so it's just being open to it it's, it's really about being open working with people that are like-minded that see the vision that you see and like and and really having your team being fair um all those things play a part in like you know how far you can take it yeah, I, I think that's really cool to hear how you talk about understanding publishing and, and making sure that stuff's kind of covered up front. And then I love this co this concept of collaboration because, yeah, some of the best things always happen when you're collaborating with people and you and you learn a lot through that process, mm -hmm. things you may not understand as deeply as another person. And then you're also able to give perspective and context from, you know, I think that's the cool thing about a lot of the, the thing I like about your music is it has a very hip hop approach, mm -hmm. and you can hear that you're obviously really receptive to other uh, genres and sounds like you know you did the highest coyote, coyote yeah. remix and yeah. things like that. Yeah, and you can tell that you obviously love music yes. of all kinds. Yeah, and it all and that's kind of the beauty of hip hop, right? Because it is a conglomeration of like all, of these, all different these different things. Stuff, yeah, I mean, I think it's just. I think even being a DJ and just studying music, right? Because we play, we internalize everything that we're playing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So as we've played over the years, I mean, even just becoming a producer, starting DJing, you know, so all my favorite producers were DJs. Mm. Dre, Premier, <laughs> you know what I mean? Pete Rock. So, but I think it's like you, you're internalizing all these records that you're listening to. You're internalizing those melodies, all those things, and you apply it to what, you, what you're making. You know what I mean? And you hear melody because you're listening to so much music, you know, that that really helps you. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It really helps you, you know what I'm saying? So it, it helps you become a better creative and, you know, you can express better. So now when I'm playing, I'm, I'm in the jam sessions and I'm, I'm playing with the musicians and I'm figuring it out. I couldn't do that 10 years ago. Right. You know what it's I mean? It's developing the ear though, it's right? It's developing the ear, yeah. but it's just practicing and falling on your face and being like, man, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but let me just keep trying it. You know, but I think it's just the natural curiosity of just like getting better and understanding like, man, you know, there's so much more that I have, you know, that I have to learn. You know what I mean? And like, you know, that's I, I love watching Quincy Jones or George Clinton or people that have made some of the most iconic records ever because I want to know how they did it. Totally. How are, how are these records still living 40 years after, 50 years after? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what's crazy? Actually, I was I was just randomly looked up Michael Jackson Thriller, uh, and wanted to read the Wikipedia page. I do this sometimes just yeah. to like get some context about a record that I love. Yep. And it was really interesting to hear that this this wasn't like 
it wasn't really an attempt to be a smash hit pop record. He yeah. wanted he wanted to be he wanted to be successful, obviously. Yeah. But the the topics and the subject matter that he was writing songs about were really not very traditional. They yeah. were no longer love songs. Yeah. There were songs about paranoia. Yeah. Thriller, you know. Yeah. Billie Jean about a, a you know stalker. You yeah. Know, you know all sorts of really interesting subject matters that were and beat it. You know. Yeah. Like, these aren't, nature. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. These aren't songs, these aren't like pop, like I want to be happy songs. They're like quite, uh, you know, intellectual songs. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it's a brilliant album in, in so many levels, but yeah, it was it was fantastic to, to learn that, you know, sometimes just doing some weird stuff really works out. It does. You know? I mean, but it's also having the right people, Bruce Wadeen, Quincy Jones, you know what I mean? Yeah. Michael Jackson, who's, you know, kind of driving the ship but Quincy is the he makes the decisions right which is that's what I'm learning like the producer makes the decisions that's what you you know that I love that that um that clip of Rick Rubin that was floating around where he's like you know I don't know anything about music I just you know what I mean and people were killing him for it but it's it's so true that he 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 is who he is because of the great decisions that he makes literally like conceptual and, stuff and right? that's the most important thing it's not whether he can play. It's really about like, this sounds great. This is gonna last forever. Right. And some people can, you can make a decision will, that will destroy a record forever. You know what I mean? And that's what I've learned from Dre, you know, watching that Rick Rubin thing, Quincy Jones, it's like their music lives forever, mm. ever. Like, and that's, that's the key, right? It's like, how do you get to that point? You know, and that's, that's what I'm shooting for. That, that's where my curiosity is taking me is like, how do I get better? And making something that's so timeless and that my kids love Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's been dead for I don't know how long. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my son loves Thriller and Bad. That's all he listens to. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. like, how does that, <laughs> how does art do that? And transcend time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I think you're on your way, dude. Like, you, I mean, like I said, you're yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> but I love the, I also really love to hear that you talking about these things. And you talk about it as a, as a journey, as an ongoing journey of developing and, and understanding. And I think that's one of the, when you agree, that's one kind of the beauty of music. You're never gonna like ace it. You're never gonna finish the game or never. block it. It's like it's constantly funny. Going. We were talking about um, you know we were talking about Dahi, who's a good friend of mine. And Dahi, we were on a panel one time, and he was quoting somebody, and I never heard this before, but he was saying there is no destination. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was like, man, that's true. There is no destination. Shout out to DJ Dahi. Yeah, big shout out to DJ Dahi. Um, but, you know, it really resonated. That, that was like a big statement for me because there really is no destination. It's literally just you just keep learning. You get better. You know what I mean? And you have these these moments where I call it like you graduate. You know what I mean? You get that Grammy. You get mm. the platinum album. You get on that big record, you know. But then you got to start all over again. You got to do the next thing. You know what I mean? So it do, it doesn't stop. No. It doesn't stop. You know what I mean? So I don't, you know, and I, I look at Dre, who's made all the money in the world. He's accomplished everything you could accomplish. And he works every day. Yeah. Like every wow. day. Really? And like outworking everybody and still on the t- at the top of his game. This dude has not slipped at all. What? Yeah, I feel like Jeff is like that too. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Exactly. Another person that's like, you know, you see these I icons jazzy jeff like you know what i mean dr dre like even when i i used to work with mugs like dj mugs always gets lost in the conversation but i worked with mugs 
you know, it, we, we had a company with him called Angelus Records, me chasing mugs, and I watched mugs work every day. He's still cranking it out. You know what I mean? And, yeah. he's, and he's had huge pop success. He's had, he has one of the most iconic groups in hip hop, in music, you know what I mean? And it's like, he's, this dude's still working hard. He's still trying to prove something to himself. So that just shows you that there's no destination. That's a really good point though, man. Um, apart from the destination part, but also that Muggs gets left out a lot of conversation. He gets left out all the time. And Muggs is like, do you have the NWA family tree? And then you got Cypress Hill and their family tree, you know what I mean? Alchemist. Alchemist, exactly. Assassins, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, he, he gets left out of the conversation, but he, their impact was just as big as anybody. Yeah, that's a really good point. Here. You know what I mean? And he gets left out of the comp, but he's one of my other mentors, you know what I mean? Like, I had a chance to work with him. So it's like, you know, you got Dr. Dre, DJ Ma, you know, and Chase said that in one of our songs. We, we were mentored by them, Wow. literally. Yeah, that's some L.A. history, really. Yeah, you know like what the, I mean? The foundation, really, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's cool, too. I was watching Steve Lacey's uh, interview this morning with Nardwar, which is fantastic. And, um, I didn't watch that. It's really good. It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you know Nardwar. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but he was talking, too, about Sara and, like, oh, and, and, you know, Taz and, and, and uh, Thundercat and, like, all of this other wave, Terrace Martin, yep. of L.A. producers, Dahi, of course. And yep. we were talking about Ricky and THC, Axel. Yeah, yeah. And you, we were just talking about how... Um, yeah, you, you talked to, you were, what were you saying about when the, when a specific album came out that you guys were all featured? Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was saying like when G-Unit Beg for Mercy came out, that was like a big, uh, that was like that kind of, to me introduced the next wave of producers, which was like, you know, before that you had, you know, your Timberland, you had, you know, I think it, it was, you know, your Dre's and all that. But then there was like another crop coming up under it, which was like Jake One, Knotts. You know what I mean? Denon Porter, like, mm. you know, um, I mean, you name it. I mean, you know, it's just high, you know, high tech. You know what I mean? Like you had all these, the, the, the next wave of producers that were like going to be taken over, you know, in terms of hip hop and all that. Um, Focus is another one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, all, all these dudes that, that are like, you know, my contemporaries, you know, to me, Good Kid Mad City is the same thing. It was like the landmark album that like introduced like, Dahi, THC, you know what I mean, Scoop DeVille, like all these dudes that made like an incredible body of work. That's, you know, that thing's still on, that album's still on the, you know, 200, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. 200. Yeah. And like, it's such a landmark moment for LA hip hop, but just hip hop in general, because these dudes are on everything now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dahi was just up for producer of the year. <laughs> yeah. That's you know crazy, what I'm saying? Man. Which is crazy. You know so, what I mean? So but dope. it's. But, I mean, he deserves it because it's like he, you know, there was another wave coming. And I saw it coming. Like, you know, with THC, I wanted to sign them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and, and but they, we, you know, we're still brothers to this day. I talk to Axel all the time. You know what I mean? Ricky's a good friend of mine. And, you know, to see their development and what they've done and, you know, all these dudes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they're, these guys have taken over. Yeah. You know? 